0: Rylan, how's it going, man?
1: Good. How are you doing tonight?
0: I'm doing very well. Thanks for joining. Uh, And hello, everybody. Thanks for uh, Down in Front Last Call. Uh, Brought to you by the Down in Front podcast, where we just kind of hang out, try to give you an unfiltered, unedited, but fully amazing review, or just kind of conversation about things that we talk about. So I think one of the last times we had a last call was for, oh man, what's the name of that movie? Mid-90s. Yeah.
1: The 90s, yeah. yeah.
0: I was like, man, I, I know I, I enjoyed the movie, but you know, that was actually pretty cool. Um, so I'm pretty pumped to kind of talk about this. You know, what we usually do here on the Down in Front podcast, we review movies and TVs, but now we're just going to actually only talk about kind of one thing and almost as if it's like an overall sort of recap of the marvelous Miss Maisel because we didn't get a chance to talk about it last year for season, season one. Yeah, I know, but we didn't talk about it last year, Season 1. We didn't one. Even talk about Season 1, yeah. So we'll see. I mean, I'm sure some of the callbacks that we talk about are going to be about Season 1 and Season 2. Um, today, we'll only try to f- strictly focus on Season 2. But, you know, I would let everybody know is that, you know, we talk about spoilers. We will be ruining the episodes. We will be ruining the show, especially if you haven't seen it before. So just kind of be warned. Uh, we want to give you um, that up front. Uh, so as we start, I'm going to uh, toss it over to Brylin. It says, "What you sip it on first? And uh, have you been seeing anything else?
1: Uh, yeah, I am currently sipping on some, uh, what do they call this? Uh, they call this detox green tea from David's Tea in my All right. Café du Monde mug that mm-hmm. I always drink from. Nice. Um, what I've been watching recently, I've been watching a lot of random stuff. I've seen a bunch of stuff. Uh, some of it I'll get to in other podcasts, but um, I think... Probably the neatest thing I've watched recently is um, I watched a um, documentary comedy, or not documentary, but uh, comedy series, st- stand-up comedy. There you <laughs> <routine>, go, <it. laughs> um, By the uh, flight of the Concords, Uh because I knew they had a reunion show coming up this year. I totally forgot about the date, and then one of my friends mentioned Fly of the Concords to me uh, again the other day, and I was like, oh crap, don't they have a reunion show coming out on HBO? And yeah, they came out all the way in October, so I was like, yeah, I might as well take the time to watch this now. And I mean, those two, Brett and Jermaine, are still hilarious. They even made some new songs for it. That was great. Um, there's one about like this guy that kind of like he perceives like the end of this relationship is like a terrible death of his significant other. And they're just like, uh, no, you, we just broke up. I didn't like you. <laughs> like they just have that funny deadpan humor that they always come with in their songs. And, uh, they take time to kind of just, uh, riff on each other. Um, Between songs as well So you get a little bit of like that humor They brought in the show as those characters But also um, Just the concert part of it That is just very entertaining And just fun to watch Nice, okay Well I mean it's always uh, good to see your
0: face Uh, My name is Warren for everybody who don't know Um, I am currently Sipping on some Chamomile tea So I know we're switching up and both doing Non-alcoholic beverages tonight But You know, you never know. It's a nice Sunday night, Sunday evening. Um, I actually haven't been watching too many other things. You know, I'll definitely talk about them in future podcasts also. So we'll save for that. Uh, I have been kind of making sure that we can kind of go through. Um, I did go and see. Fantastic Beasts, uh, The Crimes of Grindelwald again. So I was super pumped to watch that um, last weekend. Uh, But I actually am, you know, me, my friend Hannah, um, you know, Megan and Derek, we're all going to go and do another read through um, Mm -hmm. for the Harry Potter series. So I'm super pumped to be doing that and kind of just really delving into seeing exactly um, how things shakes out, how she's kind of sort of rewriting that particular Wizarding World universe. Um, So I'm super pumped to kind of like delve into that a bit more. Um, And I really like, I have all the audiobooks and that's the medium that we're going to do it from. I really love the audiobook a lot. So uh, Jim Dale yeah. is like Jim Dale is Bay for sure. It's great.
1: Oh, is that the narrator for all the audiobooks? Yeah. So it does a great job.
0: So good. It's just so good. Yeah. And it's so pleasant. So I, I'm really, I'm really, really digging it.
1: Yeah. yeah I was uh, wondering if y'all would just, y'all would get on a conference call and just like, uh, read aloud to one another.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, now that you brought that up, I kind of, I hope that happens. So that'd be cool. We could have a, a reader circle podcast. That would be great. I'd be all about that. <laughs> But, yeah, so uh, I'm super pumped to talk about this show because I know, you know, this show came out, um, Marvelous Miss Maisel Season 1 came out last year. And I remember uh, we talked a little bit about it, but mainly I think I started talking with Guillermo about it. um, And we were raving about Season 1. I really loved it. And, you know, for those of you who haven't seen it just yet. Which is thanks for listening um, Is you know the I guess the tagline of the show And I'm reading from IMDB is you know A housewife of the 1950s Decides to become a stand-up comic and so season one, it looks like it culminates between, you know, her life. You got to figure out exactly who Marvelous Miss Majel or Ms or Miriam. We find out who she is. We find out all the actual players itself that's in the actual show. Uh, we figure out the stakes and we just get a lot of information, but it was also like very, very sort of enjoyable. So I think, you know, everybody really kind of enjoyed it there. Um, and so as we get to season two, it really starts branching off of all the other characters. And so um, that's what i be curious to kind of just talk about you know overall before we start breaking down different characters and different things you know um overall brylon what do you think of season two of marvelousness Maisel?
1: uh season two i think they continue to bring just some greatness uh that other shows on tv don't have right now and it's It reminds me a lot of like, this is like a lighthearted version of Mad Men where these characters are so well-defined and engrossed into one another's lives. Plus defining an environment that a lot of people may not know actually happens um, in like um, in these characters' lives that um, yeah, it's um, it does continue to just like engross you with every bit of the storyline and, not only is it the performances that make this uh, exciting and amazing to watch, even though it's not like a big action series or anything like that, it's uh, also um, just where they set it. And they find these unique places to kind of take their characters, and uh, I like it. What it didn't just become. It's not just about this journey of becoming a, a famous comic. There's a lot more to it as well mm-hmm. that I really appreciate.
0: Yeah, I mean, overall, for season two, uh, I'm really glad that they sort of, like, pushed it more. Um, I felt like season one, we got a surface level. Um, we got to meet Miriam, we got to meet Susie, we got to meet, you know, Abe and the Weissmans and the Maisels. Um And they introduced a lot of characters in um, season one, but, you know, our sole focus was Miriam. And you knew exactly like, you know, how it was going to work to hide it, like all these kind of entities, especially kind of Miriam and, you know, Susie and then Abe and how does her family and dealing with a divorce sort of thing and separation. Um, So we had a lot of new stuff. Uh, that was kind of thrown to us. So the really interesting things that I was kind of going into this actual season was, you know, how do you kind of follow up with that? And the one thing I really, really enjoy was given a lot more character work. Um, we got not only did we get a good amount of exposition and kind of backstory, but it felt like she provided more, uh, by she, I mean, Amy Sherman Palladino, the creator of the show, uh, created more, um, uh, motivation for some of the other characters, even Noah, right? You know, Miriam's brother out of nowhere, right? Had like some actually really yeah. good components and really good points. Um, the mother played by Marion Hinkle, Hinkle named Rose. Rose also had like almost like an episode or two just kind of dedicated to her. And so yeah. I like that she's like now building off of this world, incorporating much more other characters, and then at the same time still letting us know in subtle sort of hints that we are in this world in the, like the fifties now, I think it's like 1957 or eight. So there was some time that has yeah. passed. A little bit of time has passed. And so well, it's in... exactly
1: a year. Okay.
0: Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So it's a year has passed from, you know, picking up from the uh, end of um, season one and we're still in the fifties and there's still some things that are there. So there's a lot of stuff that I did enjoy uh, about this actual season. Um, just the biggest one is just giving us character development, giving us some of these sort of like motivations and really God damn, like so one of the biggest thing I just enjoyed it, which is the physical comedy and the writing. And I mean, but there was like certain moments and sequences where I'm like, rewinding certain bits. Cause it's just so funny and how she just set it up, which is perfect. Um, and this, this is why I loved about the actual first, um, episode, uh, first season. So I'm really glad that it, didn't feel like she kind of took a break at all. It felt like she kind of just kept going and kept going and that, and that was pretty great. And I was super pumped to
1: see that. Yeah. And there's a lot of clever writing that happens here as well, just to uh, make some really fun jokes execute. Um, I do want to say though, that I think with, uh, since they didn't short shrift any of the characters, even introducing some of the newer characters, they had time to shine as well. Um, that, the overall uh, arc of the story does feel a bit more meandering than um, season one. And especially like the finale of this season, um, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of uh, leftover um, like plot points that you're just like, I now have to wait a whole nother year to see what happens because they leave so many uh, loose ends and you're just like this, kind of feels like half a season
0: rather yeah. than
1: a full season i
0: was really so it's like the pitfalls of the sequel right talk about some things that you know i just really didn't enjoy too much about this uh season was the fact that you know at episode maybe five or six we were being still introduced to new plot points new threads especially you know when um Joel, you know, got fired from his father's company, you know, gave him like this huge $60,000. And he's kind of basically sent him on his way to figure out, you know, what's Jo what – what is Joel's going to do? And Joel talks about, you know, getting into the club industry. And so – It was odd because we're at like episode seven. I think that was like episode seven or episode eight. And I'm like, how are you still introducing new things? Like you need to be wrapping up some of these other ones that we don't know. You know, the things about Abe, the things about Bell Labs, right? The things about – Rose and like being in, like, yeah, exactly. Like, the thing for Rose and like her want, she literally up and disappears and flies to Paris and just lives there for a while. There was some time that has passed since then. I think it's like maybe a week or a couple weeks or so, maybe longer. And so, before they actually went over and, you know, got her from there. And so, there's just so many things that was just being introduced and kind of, uh, you know, inserted into the story that once the series finale uh, – excuse me, the season finale hit, I sat there and was like, man, it really felt like he were just setting everything up for a season three. And i really, really like not a huge fan of that. And I guess it was a little bit – like – It was a little bit more obvious to see that because you knew that it was ending. Like it was only 10 episodes and they were still talking about new stuff. And so I'm like, well, that's a bummer. Um, I really hope they don't do that, you know, more and more. But it kept happening. So that's the one thing. It really felt like that meandering much like you talked about. It just was too much. She kind of introduced a lot of – wait. I'm legit too many side characters I mean Imogene was in these, this, uh, these episodes yeah. so much more and although she's a great character we don't we don't need it that much you know and I understand it was kind of just show mids and her lose um, like her um, uh, losing her kind of personal personality losing her touch losing her friends and she's like in this bind between you know what world she wants to actually live in and be in and so I love when it ends there um but you know, one of the last cliffhangers brings up was when uh we have oh, man, there's a lot of names, so bear with me. But we have uh Noah's some, wife? No, Jane Lynch.
1: Jane Lynch here? Oh yeah.
0: Yeah, Jane Sophie oh. Lennon. Yeah. So we so, have so,
1: I had totally forgotten about
0: her from season one. Right? So it it's great, but it's like a huge comeback, and I was like, oh, what the fuck? This was like season uh episode nine that she comes back. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how is this a thing? And it ends up in being a cliffhanger, Uh, which I like the fact that you know Susie has like better opportunities, and finally, you know, finally, and I'm gonna bring this up a little bit later, but finally, she's trying to get the recognition. She's finally get somebody to see. Who she was. She's, like, working her ass off with no money, like, basically a stolen car, got ro- license plates, like, being like basically not getting paid, living out of the gutter, right? Like, she finally is getting the recognition that she deserves, just not from the person that she wants it from. So... This uh, I'll be, I'm I'm very curious. Like I'm still in this show. Like I really want to see this whole Susie and Sophie Lennon um, scenario uh, kind of pan out, and what hap- what are the consequences from there between her and Midge's relationship? But I I although that I was uh, glad that they brought it up, I was just like, man, this is a lot going on um, in this one sort of season. And you know, if we go all the way back to episode one in season two, Midge is doing stand up f- in Paris. And she has a translator that just talking yeah. about that and her translator gives her a card for a therap- a therapist that never kind of follows up, you know? Um, and so that's, that's just like one of the examples of, man, did she do, do, did she do too much? Like, did they try to introduce a bit too many things be- to set it up for season three? Um, that's how I was kind of left feeling really talking about this and watching the show.
1: Yeah, it's almost like it I mean they were purposely setting up where you, they know how many seasons that it's going to end so they want to have like a just a smooth continued like overall big story arc that they're like, "All right, this is like the next chapter, and we're going to leave it here to tell the chapter that's following after this."
0: Yeah, I mean overall like i'm 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 happy about it i'm just kind of bummed like even though i have these feelings and you know uh, it was funny me and um emma's entire family has watched the show so it was great to be like actually except for emma but it was great to actually kind of talk about this and they actually didn't like season two and i was and i was curious it was kind of the same thing so far we're going to mention some other reasons why you know um i didn't like it but they had mentioned the same things and i was like you know Even though season two wasn't as good as season one, it's still miles better than some of this other TV that's out there. So I don't want to be too critical, right? I don't want to think that, oh, nothing else is out there. This season two is phenomenal. I mean, it's absolutely phenomenal. The character work and everything that's being put put together was amazing. Just It's tough because you kind of have to compare it to season one. And I felt like season one kind of hit on some things a little bit uh,
1: better. Yeah. And it uh, it also, I mean, talks to just the quality of, like, TV that's out there nowadays. Like, I was looking at the Golden Globe nominations, and this is, like, the first time in a long time that I had not seen any of these shows that were nominated except for Marvelous Mrs. Basil. And Hmm. so I was really surprised. Like, wow, I mean, TV's just able to offer so much now that it's just – it's become totally impossible to watch whatever, everything that's great, but it's great that I know that the show can stand out and continue to be this very unique uh, story that's being told as well.
0: Yeah. I'd be curious. Cause I actually haven't seen any of the nominations yet for the golden globes. Um, so I'm curious to see if I've actually seen any of these shows. I, I can only imagine that Roman. I going to get, yeah. Roman has probably got nominated for anything. No, no, <laughs> okay, good. Uh, but Homecoming definitely it got nominated. Knew. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then I know Marvelousness Miss Maisel got nominated. Yeah. And there was some other good TV that was out that I inhaled.
1: Huh, I'll see. I'm curious to see what we yeah. got. Yeah, I was surprised at like some of the names that came up because some of them I have heard of but never watched. But some of them I didn't even hear of at all. Hmm. Or it's just – Something that I heard. Oh, that got released on Netflix two days ago. Oh wow, that's dominated.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the weird thing about it is they already have this stuff, and it's like shit. I got to go back and binge watch a ten episode series really quickly so that I can make sure I'm like up to speed. But you know, I love to hate it and I hate to love it. So I guess it's not too bad. So let's break this down a little bit more. Um, So I'd love to get your opinion on some of these kind of heavy hitters and we'll talk about some side characters. Um, Usually, like in our episodes, we kind of break it off to like different sections. We don't really do this here on our last call segment. So um, I'm going to just bring up a character. Let's talk about it for a little bit and we'll keep talking about the different characters as we go through there and then some of the themes that we have. Uh, So I got – Uh, Miriam Midge Maisel, uh, played by Rachel Bershannon. I'm sorry. Brosnahan. Brosnahan. Sorry. I know I was going to butcher that. (laughs) Um, what'd you think about her character growth? So we got from season one to season two, two, um, do you think it works? Do you think that she can like actually like lead a show, uh, some
1: pros and cons you have about that? Um, yeah, she was probably like the big standout of season one, um, but I I think it's cool that she still continues to be able to have this very strong presence as a star of this show. Um, She talks a mile a minute and you got to pay attention to her uh, to get every single nuance of what she's doing. And she has such great banter with every other character that she's interacting with. If it's like the ladies that are at the switchboard in the basement of B Dalton's or the, at the perfume counter or if it's with Susie or her parents, uh, everything that Midge does is just um, it's a very unique take on um, just her position where it's like she's comes from an affluent family from the Upper West Side of New York, very Jewish, and they have all these different customs and everything, but she's kind of trying to cut her own path, and she's – and you don't – it's it's not a character setup where she's like I'm she's not blatantly going out there and saying I'm gonna stand up for myself because I want to be independent and stuff. She doesn't approach it like that. She's, I mean, stills like I enjoy my life. I appreciate what I have and everything. It's just I ran into this scenario of being on a stage one night and uh, people loved it and. Someone like Susie is continuing to encourage me to uh, see how I can explore, and I'm actually enjoying it. And I, and she gets to a point where she has like a very big break at the end of the season that she may or may not take uh, take a part of, but I think she will, most definitely. Um, but I like that we didn't just get uh, Midge constantly on the stage. I like that they take time to see her in just these other situations that, uh, that, that are like just kind of real life for her character. Um, Like, I mean, when she was at her friend's uh, wedding and she just starts to give a toast and all of a sudden the, uh, the comedian comes out of her and she just starts riffing on the, the priest that's there and everything and just like, okay, uh, you just ruined the entire wedding just because you couldn't shut your mouth. And, uh, she, and it's also really cool to see that that's shocking to her that she's like, oh shit, I got have an opinion about everything now and I can't hold back. What's wrong with me? And I like that she has like a bit of a crisis around that, that it's amusing, but it's also, uh, interesting to see like, uh, do up comedians, like once they start, getting that rhythm and that method down doesn't actually leak over into personal life where they can't just, they just can't turn it off or anything like that, which is, um, it's cool to, um, explore that part of creativity as well. Um, also think, um, with Midge, uh, just, uh, seeing how she approaches her relationships. I think, um, her relationship with Joel is really neat. Um, I mean, Joel definitely wronged her by cheating on her in season one. And we see like, um, we see her kind of go back and forth. Does she want to be back with Joel? Does she, um, does she uh, want to go ahead and call the marriage quits and pursue other interests and everything? And it's, uh, and I think that, um, it's really cool to see how she handles that, that, um, yeah, she, she knows Joel may not be the best one. And they give us, like, some good moments to see, like, how they rushed into their engagement and how it was, like, very brash and just on the cuff and everything. Uh, or, um, they, I mean, they start to show, like, elements of Joel that are just, like, kind of very cruel and everything. You're like, uh, and you start thinking to yourself, Midge, yeah, you don't want to be with this dude because he's kind of a son of a bitch beyond just what he did to you. Um, and they also introduced Benjamin, who's played by Zachary Levi, that is a love interest for her, and he's actually a really good, too, and uh, he's a, definitely a different character, and he's not, like, someone that just warms up to Midge. He, it's some, she's, uh, he's some character that uh, Midge has to actually kind of win over, or they have to, like, find, like, that mutual understanding of what makes each other, like, like each other as mm-hmm. well, which I really appreciate. But I like, uh, also that, um, they continue to explore her relationship with her dad, Abe, and her mom, um, that, uh, that you feel like, uh, some significant growth with her family, um, once Abe finds out that she's a stand-up comedian. So that's, good. I mean, we got to give it to Tony Shalhoub for just having the best expression
0: on his face. He is amazing. I'm I'm like, I'm really excited to talk about him.
1: Um, But um, just the way that that is all handled, I thought was uh, superbly done. Um, I would say like for the most part, she's probably the character that grows the least in some ways. Uh, But there are points of significance that uh, I want to talk about more when we talk about more um uh, overall plot and things uh especially uh like when she goes on the telethon and kills it um and uh meeting the uh singer shy shy baldwin, baldwin? shy baldwin yeah that was that's an interesting um conversation she has in the women's bathroom with him, and what that leads to as well.
0: Yeah, so I mean you mentioned a good amount of things, so I'll piggyback on some of these options. You know, the one thing I was actually super curious, I'll start with the shy Baldwin. Um, character because you had mentioned that, you know, she gets her shot. So we get in the last episode of all alone, she, you know, she gets a phone call from him because she, they met in the bathroom and he's basically said, Hey, I like, I want you to open for me for six months as a, uh, you know, international tour. Uh, and like, that's her shot and she's super pumped and super excited about that. So much so that she said yes immediately. And she's like super excited to do that. Um with not even sort of a hesitation and this was something that she brought up a little bit later talking to joel about that she know she didn't even hesitate she already knew that she wanted to be and she she already agreed that she was going to be alone um and yeah, the reason why she didn't
1: to susie or at all or anything. yeah
0: with well not even that but you know ben had already proposed to her to get married and she's just going to leave for six months and waiting for her father her answer for her father so um The biggest thing I was really enjoying um, about this her character, um, and I felt like her character was kind of split in two, and I liked that it was kind of flip-flopping between both. And I love the fact that the creators of the show put in things that she just literally forgot or things that she literally didn't know how to do. Um, And, you know, she forgot Emma Jane's baby shower entirely forgot it. And I liked because she's like living almost kind of a double life. She's having a bit of an identity crisis. The fact that she can't turn it off. She's doing this com- comedy beat. Some t- sometimes that kind of takes over, but then sometimes there's other episodes in, uh, that we, you know, we talked about the cat skills, me and you, you know, separately. We talked about the cat skills. We talked about, you know, she has all these hats. She had, she's come from all this crazy amount of wealth that she just falls right into there and it's completely fine, and she doesn't have a care in the world and so I agree that i I was I actually wanted a bit more from her character. I was actually really upset that her character didn't grow at all um there are things that was introduced in the first episode about not her not being independent, and I felt like she was moving to be a bit more independent, um, at least have a bit more um, control of her life. I'm glad that she's actually working now, although you know she's just doing phones. We can clearly see that she's way, she's a different breed of person, clearly in this environment. Yeah. Um, just doing the phones and the makeup counter, and she can like you know plan. Um, weddings and baby showers uh and it, it goes so well that she literally didn't even have to be there for it to you know be successful and so you can yeah. clearly see that she has a lot of skill she has a lot of talent but right there's a huge butt on there of she's still living with her parents um there's an episode in which you know her and Susie goes on the road and that episode I was really upset about because She's asking questions like – like, I was upset because it didn't – it felt like she regressed. And as the season kind of progressed, she just regressed more of being this independent, this strong sort of female character that didn't give a shit of showing her breasts on stage from the first season. Now in this season, it looks like she kind of stepped back into that more um, subservient role. And, you know, looking at a couple different examples, right, during that sort of road trip, she – Never seen poop in a toilet before, right? And didn't know how to handle that and never stayed at a motel. and Didn't know the fact that she didn't have like a waiter basically or like um, a yeah. doorman kind of carry up her bags.
1: Yeah. A bellhop to
0: yeah. bring her bags to her and stuff. It, and it's like you – know, Doesn't at the know the how end, to drive a car. Right? Exactly. And, and, but she wears, she wears driving gloves. Um, doesn't know how to treat her friends well. Um, And that's a, a big one when I talk about Susie here in a little bit, because she treats Susie like shit this entire series, this entire season. And ultimately, Susie is her only friend. Who actually gives a damn about her well-being. Nobody else seems to care. They all just seem to care about, hey, when are you going to get back with Joel? Her mother, her father, Imogene. Like, everybody only matters about getting back with Joel. Where Susie was the only person in the first season uh, and in the second that actually came out, defended her, and told Joel what a piece of shit that he was because he was. And so – I find myself, you know, kind of torn, but you know, ultimately, like I really didn't like where her character was going and what her character was doing, um, because I was hoping at some point that she'll be able to kind of stand on her own. Um, and I thought, you know, the series finale of we have uh, Lenny um, singing the song about all alone, about being sort of like independent and like you know being able to stand up on your own feet by yourself. I thought that that's where this was going. Her relationship with Susie became really, 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 like, problematic. A lot of different scenarios and a lot of different um, issues that it was seemingly like, okay, clearly she's not going to have a manager for too much longer. So I'm glad that Susie finally got um, some recognition from Sophie Lennon's character. But the biggest issue that I had ultimately is, like, the end of that road trip, you know, she's playing the show that the guy says he's not going to pay them. And she calls Joel to go basically rough up a guy to get them to pay. And at that moment, it sort of emasculated and it really just gutted everything that Susie was trying to do. And she basically threw away any, like Midge threw away any sort of character, sort of motivations and strength that she had. Because in the end of the day, it still goes to, it's a man's society and it's a man's kind of world. And And I get that, but she 's supposed to be like these two characters are supposed to be different than everybody else, and that move really made you feel like she was just the same, even being like kicked off the stage of talking about being pregnant in the women parts and how you can 't do that right that 's your perfect moment you 've done it many times while you were on stage you 've literally talked so many of these male comics down and talked about how shitty they are and their self confidence and i thought it was I thought it was great i 'm just bummed that the stuff, her persona on stage mrs mazel right so the marvelous mrs mazel on stage is not midge or miriam mazel at all and i'm torn because we have this identity crisis we have these two different identities and at some point I, I, I really i really need to see a bit more sort of confidence more independence from her and not like her just being like everybody else
1: yeah. It'd be cool if they start to explore like her, like getting away from that domestic comfort a bit more in the next season. But uh yeah, I can see where uh you would want uh that explored more in this season as well. Yeah. Um but I do I do think they um they put I mean they did put her in like situations for the most part for her to shine in uh, environments that were uh, things she was already used to, but we weren't used to as well. Like the cat skills like just blew my mind. Um because it felt like um it was like the G rated version of uh Wet Hot American Summer <laughs> 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 Um and or PG. They're not that super clean. I mean Abe wears that uh that that onesie. <laughs> That romper
0: so, so, I'm just like, you know I wear a romper He's like, okay <laughs> Should I go put it on? No, I'm fine Are you sure?
1: That's so great <laughs> That's so great Such a great romper. Um, But yeah, that I think that whole thing With the Catskills Where you have These families That probably have known each other For generations That pack up all their stuff In their fancy New York apartments And Um move out into the woods for two months to do all these random, like summer uh, camp activities and drink tomato juice and do dances and swimming and uh, boating and all sorts of uh, just standard camp stuff that uh, there's just something really weird about it that, I mean, I, I mean, I personally never experienced, I've been to many summer camps, but Nothing where it felt like, all right, let's take a whole rack of wardrobes and <laughs> to carry it into the forest. I mean, like, it's definitely. Like a whole
0: trailer full of like, yeah.
1: shit. I'm like, what? Really? Damn. And it's not like, oh, you're not staying just in a cabin. You're staying in a lake house. <laughs> and. It's the way it's all set up. How they have this MC and this like <laughs> this uh, band that's always playing for them and everything, and this uh, this swimming instructor <laughs> that only wears like his red shorts everywhere he goes. Um, it's um, it's always uh, it was just so it to see Midge in that she felt it looked like oh this is just normal run of the mill everyday stuff, but. Be, having Midge like carry you through that environment, it was fun. Like it was, it, it just kept on blowing my mind how just awkward it felt that there are people that go out there and do this. If this has some authenticity to it, mm. um, I'd be curious to find out.
0: Well, the, I think you know, getting like just breaking this uh, our conversation up because I want to uh, talk about you know um, Susie here next, uh, Susie Meyerson. You know, I, I really had some issues with, you know, we talked about the meandering, right? You brought that up. And there was a lot of information that we got from the Catskills. I just felt that those episodes really needed to be pared down. Like, I think yeah. we only should have gotten maybe one one episode of the cat skills i think we got like maybe two it felt like actually we got I don't know. three yeah three okay we really needed a one episode from the cat skills and just a lot of information kind of jam packed into like a couple days um because in the cat skills alone we f- like, we find out that you know miriam's father finds out she's a comic we meet ben we start seeing uh we figure out the issues with noah and how he has like a secret Identity, also, which is just huge at the plot point. I think it was less for Noah's character and more for um, Abe Weissman. And I think that definitely was kind of figured out exactly like because he felt like his entire, both of his children are lying to him. Um, We start seeing that Joel starts like dating again. And I'm just like, you're doing a whole lot – and then we see Susie go out there and she's trying to make shows and like I love the fact that bit with her – I love everything about Susie. I'm just going to let you know yeah. right now. Everything about Susie in season two was like absolute fire. The fact that she's just walking around with this random plunger and when she left for a couple of days and everybody <laughs> like freaked out. I'm like, oh my gosh. That's
1: so that's so nice. And we That's see... probably like one of the best jokes ever because oh. like, you don't ever see her fix anything. She's just carrying a plunger around. And so after she goes missing for more than a day, people are where's Susie? And they get on walkie talkies like, has anybody seen Susie? And they put out send out search parties for her and everything. But like
0: it's you know, I as much as I laughed at that moment, and that moment was so good. We also then find out that she's from a really messed up sort of broken family. Um, she already had two hitmen go out to kill her, um, already in this episode, not because of anything that she did, right? Like she actually has been innocent and it's all the things that Midge is doing. That's really fucking up her life more and more. Um, and so I love the fact that, you know, this is the first time she's ever had people like care about her and kind of look for her. And I think she actually had, she has time to kind of process that a little bit because she was like super shocked that that even happened. Um, but everything else about the Catskills was just like so much and it just felt like it dragged on for so long um, that I really would like, hey, let's just pare this down because we even went back to New York in some parts and back to the Catskills and I was like, oh my goodness, come on. Um, so I really feel like this should have only been one episode. But um, I really like what we were getting from Susie's character. Um, so I do want to kind of bring up, you know, it's played by Alex Borenstein, who I'm absolutely in love with. I freaking love her. Um, really only – I mean, I know her from, you know, the voice work from Family Guy. I really knew her from, you know, Mad TV. and I loved her ever since then. You. Um, but, uh, you know, she has like a breakout role here. Um, in the season one, it felt like it was kind of funny. We didn't really get a lot of her, but we know it. We at least got the fact that, oh, she's like a badass and she's definitely on another woman out of her element, especially because everybody thinks she's a man. Um, and so – You know, going into season two, I was curious to see you know how she's going to be working as a manager and kind of working the gaslight. What's going on with the Sophie Lennon sort of scenario after she like kind of you know Miriam just kind of destroyed her and you know where she's going to grow. So I really like the fact that I think in every sequence in every scene I can think of, she's either a leading that scene and there are some very hilarious comedic bits. I think in episode two or excuse me episode one or two, um, it was episode two that she actually goes with the two hitmen and they didn't kill her and they just talk about it they have some food it was like great it was like oh you it amazing. Like, oh, you're
1: from the same neighborhood <laughs> oh,
0: there's a, there's this one bit that they're doing that's in the uh the car that uh she's talking she's like stop talking he said shut up and they like, she's going back and forth and he mentions a joke she mentions a joke about a, a play a theater and the last thing was oh, i didn't i didn't know that you like theater and i was like oh because of, i was like oh that's great because the miracle worker that's hilarious. So, um, I love <laughs> that was just like a, a hilarious bit to me, but I think she, it, I think she is probably the MVP of the second season. Like I'd be curious between us either, you know, Susie Meyerson or Abe Weissman, but yeah. they, their two characters has the most character growth um especially because we've now we got a chance to get a ton of backstory for Susie Myerson's family. Uh have some lands like her mother's kind of an alcoholic and she basically has been an outcast the entire time. To now she's being inserted into these Jewish sort of customs that she has no idea about and she's being sort of like she's just gone all over the place. And I love the fact that she can be the star in a scene Or she can be the side in a scene. She can just be, like, a a filler, but also add so many, like, hilarious and comedic moments. And so I just love the fact that she was really, really... I had a good amount of sort of growth. Like she was there. She she was the one who would drive. She literally was picking up all the pieces that Midge was like, oh, everything's just going to happen for me, right? And she's like, fucking no. This is the real world. What are you, what are you doing? What are you talking yeah. about? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's going to rain. Yeah, shit's going to happen, you know. But you, you got to have to deal with it and you have to kind of roll, you know. Um, so I, I really enjoyed Susie's character a lot. I think this was probably – like she probably is the one reason why – I enjoyed season two the most, um, especially because I think she was in every episode. Um, So that's what's great because I know Midge was also in a lot of episodes, but man, I think Susie and there's just some hilarious comedic beats. I wish we could talk about them all, but we can't. But there's just some everything that she was doing. I just think it was amazing.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, I would second that with you. I mean, she is definitely one of the MVPs of the season. And uh, some moments this should be called the Marvelous Mrs. Uh, Meyerson because of uh, a lot of this, a lot of the success of the uh, show and, like, Midge's work is re- is relied on uh, Susie. And, um, I mean, I think that she has just hilarious moments. You mentioned, the, like, the gangsters, but I also thought, like, her laying low at Midge's apartment while her parents were in Paris and stuff was great. And just seeing like these nice, subtle uh, moments of humanity with Susie were really good, like how she's watching TV and you see Ethan just crawl up next to her and they like share some food and yeah. stuff. Um, or how she becomes friends with Zelda, and Zelda starts leaving her sandwiches and everything. Like so, um,
0: like it's like these that are so just like littered with all these small things of her physical comedy. It is so good. I, I like. that We can go on forever, but please keep going. Like, these are so many things yeah. why I just love her.
1: Yeah, but I I think um, what's I mean what's really important is that we we know that Susie is a smart mouth wise cracking individual and that's established in the first season, but they definitely let her humanity shine a lot in this. And you mentioned like we get to meet her family and like her uh, brother that um, doesn't care about her at all. And we have her sister that's kind of just there, but she has a husband that with a wooden leg, that's a bit of an asshole too. Um, and in the end, like she's trying to get a car and see like, Hey, can you, can I just borrow mom's car for a bit? And just like, you know, she won't let you do that and stuff. And then when the guys are out of the room, her sister just hands her the keys and says, go, just take it. Um, just because she was like, kind of like being, she's trying to be the adult. We get to see that, uh, in some ways that people look down on Susie for being a rough individual that, dresses more tomboyish that is cussing all the time that's uh not refined or anything as a lady should be um that a lot of people think of her as just kind of childish but we see that she's actually the mature adult of her family and it's kind of tough to see what position she has to be in uh to actually kind of handle something from her family when she needs some support and help and it's it's very sad and it's uh something that it's uh adds a lot of depth to Susie's character. Mm-hmm. Um and we see why she's so tough as nails as well. Um and then when it comes up to when uh Sophia Lennon comes back into the scene that um uh, that you think they let you they lead you on thinking that uh, Midge just killed it on this telethon, and that people are loving what she did, and that she's going to be a star now. But uh, Susie goes into Sophia's um, dressing room and just gives her her mind, and just just cuts her down and threatens violence and everything. And you think, okay, um, now Midge is in more trouble because of what Susie did. And they kind of like always pushing these things, like maybe like Midge is being held back by Susie because of her actions being brash and very um, reactionary to situations. Um, but we find out, like, that actually earns respect from uh, Sophia Lennon and that she wants Susie to be her manager now because of that attitude. Um, and we don't find out what Susie's choice is at the end, but um, it I get a feeling that... We may see. I, I hope they do like a time jump in the next season, where we kind of pick up where a lot of things have happened, and we might see Susie in a different place, which would be really interesting.
0: I want to. I want to. I'm curious because I think Susie is going to do. i going to manage both, and yep. I think that also could, you know, be a fallout of their relationship, but it's. You know, I think it, I think it's gonna be both. I think it's gonna be a follow of their relationship between Susie and Midge, but I think it's gonna be earned for Susie. Um, because there were just so many times that especially like as the season progressed, Midge treated her so poorly and it was just more and more and it was worse and worse. And it was almost as if she was treating her this like the servant. Almost to the point where you're my manager. You should know this. You should know this already knowing that neither one of them has done this before. So it's like you're expecting something, yet you have no idea what either one of you are doing. You're just kind of rolling with the punches and figure it out. And even at the end, you know, her particular tits up line that Midge is like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I know. And I'm like, oh, that's fucked up. And then use that same line to Lenny Bruce at the end. Uh, to like kind of have like a kind of a pep talk, almost to the point where she doesn't like, you know, she's you know Midge is almost just throwing away Susie at this point. Um, and that's always kind of a bummer. So I'm, I'm wondering if Alex Borstein's character Susie is gonna actually get that win with Sophie Lennon and change Sophie's Lennon's character because I also was looking at you know we heard it from Shy Baldwin that. You know, oh man, she's like a stuffy character. Like, clearly nobody likes this character. She's like cl- the easier the one that uh, could have a, a coming back, and that would be great if Sophie Lenin just wants to be herself. Um, so I think that will be great. But another thing that I do want to kind of mention really quickly was I was curious because Shai Baldwin was using the women's bathroom. Um, and I'm wondering if he was using the women's bathroom because if there was something to do with the uh, uh, segregation there that they didn't quite talk
1: about. Well, I mean, they're in New York, right, mm-hmm. uh, for the telethon. Uh, so I don't think they would have, like, institutionally segregated sections. Um, but uh, he does mention, like, his thing for it, that it's like, you know, the men's bathroom is shitty. It smells better in here. Y'all got all the good perfumes and stuff. Yeah, and Mitch think- gives them a little spritz. And, like, I mean, yeah, there could be deeper connections that, like, yes, yeah, since he's a black man even though he's incredibly talented with his vo- uh with his singing and everything that mm-hmm. it's all still the 50s no matter if it's in the segregated south or in the north there's still going to be some type of discrimination going
0: on absolutely yeah. I be, i'm i'm curious of getting i'm very curious of learning more about that character cuz once they introduced, I was like oh this is this is very different. I'm 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 in it. Let's let's go. Like I'm I'm super curious and um even the last episode when we find it called All Alone with Lenny Bruce, I'm now way more interested to learn about more of his character because You know, I didn't realize he was basically broke, kind of worked job to job to job and, like, super exhausted about it. And it was kind of like Midge was looking at her future and seeing if this is, like, the right thing that she wants to do. So I thought that was also, like, very curious that they've worked so hard at something that doesn't look like it's going to be a big payoff just yet. Because the most famous person is still asking for drinks and barely kind of getting scraping by. So... I'm curious to see, you know, how they're going to handle the uh, stand-up for Midge uh in season 3.
1: Yeah. And I think it was smart something they did in this season that um this the show didn't become like uh Midge going to club to club and just getting like uh sage advice from uh Lenny Bruce all the time. And Lenny Bruce is like the most famous real character that's in the show. Um just kind of like I guess he's kind of a just a, a shadow for Midge to say, like, I mean, this is what it looks like if you want to be successful. At, I mean, that it's not always um, lollipops and candy, that, hey, it may take a toll on you personally as well, and that's kind of like the realization that she comes to at the uh, end of the season, that, um, that I thought it was neat that, there was a lot more Lenny Bruce in the first season, I think, just kind of established like the stand up comedy scene and methods of stand up. And then they let Lenny kind of just be this guy that just walks in um, at the beginning to kind of give a little advice to Midge, but it was cool to see that it got flipped around at the end. That yeah. when Lenny's down on his luck, Midge is the one giving him advice. And. Uh, that he has this opportunity to go on the Steve Allen show, which was the Tonight Show at that time. And um, and that uh, he has the propensity to be very vulgar and uh, just definitely skirt the edge of what's appropriate on stage, especially for the 50s. Um, but uh, Midge like, kind of encourages him, like, yeah, I mean, just kind of toe the line for this one and just shows so, something a little different about yourself and why you're su- considered such a good comic. And he does this song that has comedic elements to it, but it's also very heartfelt. And mm-hmm. um, it's bittersweet as well at the same time that he's kind of exposing a little bit about who he is as a person during this time. Um, but I thought he was handled really well and just uh, wasn't overused, which was good.
0: Well, the last person, you know, one of the last characters I want to talk about, I want to spend the most amount of time on um, is sort of Tony Shalob's, Shalob, Shaloop, Shaloup. Shaloop. Yeah. Uh, Abe Weissman. So he's playing, you know, Midge's father. Um, talk to me about Abe, like some of the things that you liked or disliked. You know, I did mention the fact that I think he had some of the most character growth. Uh, but what are your thoughts on Abe Weissman?
1: Uh, well, for me, I think it's hard. To not like anything that tony shalhoub does he is i i will swear by this he's hands down probably one of the best actors alive right now mm-hmm. um he can bring to a character that um abe weissman oh fantastic i love uh i love his aloofness uh to his wife just like at the very beginning it just sets it up so well that we get this magical scene where um she walks in. And is like, I don't feel like uh, I have a place here. I'm leaving for Paris and everything. And he's just like reading the newspapers, like, oh, okay. Uh huh. And, and then she's gone and then he's freaking out. It's like, why isn't dinner ready? And everything is like his world flipped upside down because his wife is not there. And he just was not paying attention to uh, his family or his uh, wife at
0: all. See, I'm curious uh, about that because. Did you pick up on anything that Abe was having maybe some forgetfulness, like he was having some issues with his memory, and it was getting kind of worse and worse as the season went on? Were you picking up on that, or am I crazy?
1: Uh, I didn't really pick up on that as being a pattern. Um, I mean, I think they established Abe in the first season as someone that's like kind of set in his ways, and if he might hear something that's sounds very uh, different that it is just doesn't connect to his radar and it just doesn't click for him and I think that's uh, that's uh, that's part of the, the appeal of the character and um, but it, we do see that some things start to actually make him kind of pay attention more and like the big one is in the cat skills when all of a sudden Midge is on stage and she sees him in the audience and there's this funny reaction she has where she can't stop saying dad jokes be- after <laughs> she sees him, which is fantastic. And um, and the way he reacts after that is, I mean, just perfect. He just walks into the house and he looks around and he goes, I'm going to go upstairs. And then he never comes back down again. <laughs> I, I, um, I loved like
0: that. I love that reveal because we were we were also there was like she was putting some g- breadcrumbs there or they were putting breadcrumbs there of he wasn't gonna go he was like sneaking away he said told Joel hey don't I mean just don't tell anybody you saw me and I was like oh he's sneaking. Oh, that's a great reveal for him to kind of pop up all of a sudden and uh, their entire drive back to uh, the Catskills. They're just sitting in the car quiet. Even Susie was sitting there. She's like, are we in trouble? So I thought Susie being in there was actually pretty great. Um, but he uh, – man, yeah, I, I, really, I really love his character.
1: Yeah. Um, and um, I mean like – the whole romper conversation with Joel is so weird and awkward. And you're like, why is he creeping on jo- Joel like this? Um, and why is he asking if he wants to see it? Uh, and maybe it's like in Abe's mind, it's like, Hey, let me prepare you for the worst because this is the worst of me that you'll see. And it's just amusing to think that a guy would think like him and a exercise romper would be the worst thing that someone would actually see. And we, we, <laughs> We find out that, oh, everybody's seen him in this It doesn't matter.
0: Which, which is so good. Moish, uh, um, kind of played by Kevin Pollak, just kind of throws that out there. And everybody's like, yeah, it's fine. This is weird. And uh, I love I love Rose's reaction. She's like, oh, my gosh, really? Uh, so it's <laughs> that's such a good – that was such a nice moment of, oh, yeah, we all have seen it. It's not a surprise. It's hilarious.
1: Uh, that was a really funny bit. Yeah. And we find, like, as we go along that – um for some reason it, like that even though he has these positions like Professor Columbia as a math professor and um this uh super research at Bell Labs that we start to figure out like maybe he's not in as vaulted of a position as he thinks he is because we start to see like how his uh we, well, we get the whole thing like he um, he refers Noah for a position at Bell Labs, and they take him into the quiet room or the the secure room, so and good. and they uh, sit down and everything. And they explain like, yeah, sorry, uh, Noah can't take this job because he's actually on a more top secret job, and he looks at is like, "What is it?" And he's just like, he just plainly said, "So, so what is it?" He's like, "Well, you're not cleared to know, Dad. Sorry."
0: Uh, <laughs> even and the fact that he was like, "Well, you know, well, you're not cleared." It was kind of like the janitorial. Well, actually, no, janitorial staff has to shred documents, so you're actually not on the clearance staff of the janitorial staff. So you're like right below the janitorial staff clearance. It's like, oh my gosh, like now he's just he. Just got 10 years, so now it's just like No one cares about Abe at all
1: Yeah, and we find like um, When it comes to Bell Labs That um, he's Listening to kids songs To like try to teach a computer how to sing And everything, that's uh, Neat work, but probably not the most Important work that's going on there And we find like his team at Bell Labs Sitting there, they're just throwing Trash balls into a garbage Can, and Um Playing with cards and stuff, and they're not doing anything. They're just sitting there, um, just pissing off the uh, pissing the uh, day away. And he's just wondering, like, where's our equipment and everything? Shouldn't we be building something right now? Mm-hmm. And um, and we ultimately find out that perhaps Midge's performance in DC led to someone see someone in the government seeing uh, her talk about his work even if it was the most minor point of it, that it shows that he couldn't keep his mouth shut. Mm -hmm. And so they've kind of just guttered guttered him in Bell Labs. It's like, hey, you want to hang around here? Fine. But we're not going to give you anything important to do. And then we find in Columbia, like a lot of his students have just left and everything uh, and it's like, why isn't anybody showing up? Where's, was it Trevor or? <laughs> oh man. I don't remember the kid's name, but it was, that was such a great scene. And, and it's like, he didn't even say goodbye, <laughs> but he gets really pissed at his, uh, class and just finally tells him, I mean, y'all are, he just calls them like the most profane that Abe Weisman will get. Um, like remarks and he's like y'all do not even belong in the halls of columbia and just tells this whole class to go away and then the dean of columbia comes and visits him and it's like uh, you have tenure but we're, we we want to encourage you to take your sabbatical a little early because you know what everybody's fed up with you nobody likes you and like all these pieces are coming together and abe is finally looking around and saying like wow maybe what have I been doing with my life? And Mm -hmm. at the end, even though once again, we do not find out what happens in this. uh, He starts to refer back to when he was young, that he was an activist for whatever movements he was. And we don't even find out what those are, but he's like, I was an activist. I was out there. I was supporting thoughts and ideas that I cared about that I cared about. And um, he says And it's like I'm gonna make it, and he's like I'm gonna quit Columbia, I'm gonna quit Bell Labs, and I'm gonna pursue something else. But we just don't find out what that something else is. But I'm hoping it kind of goes back around to his time in Paris, where he's spending time just walking around, letting um, his wife go to art classes and things like that. Uh, I thought it was even endearing and and awesome to see him like when they moved back to New York. To um, help her get uh, audit some art classes and uh, take those as well, um, but um, at the same time, it's uh, it might be interesting. Like those coffee shop conversations he was having with those guys in Paris, maybe it's going to start leading to something where he's like writing a book of philosophy or just having more conversations with like minded individuals about uh, like what he actually cares about.
0: Yeah, it's curious to see because he is obviously the smartest person in this show, like the smartest character in this show. Yet he does, in like everything from this Columbia lab, is was funded. You know, all of Miriam Habits, all of Rose's Habits, and her pink soap. Like they, he basically pays for everything. Yet he's also sort of treated with, you know, some respect from the character standpoint, but from. Uh, us as the viewers, at least I felt like he was supposed to be the, the biggest joke of a character um, because there was so much stuff happening behind his back that he didn't know. To him, it was like, oh, everything's okay. But for everything uh, – for what we know, we're like, oh, it's so sad because he's not okay. Like things are not okay. Like things are going all sorts of crazy and – um I just kind of feel bad for him as a character, but I think it's great exactly how he's, like, handling it um, day by day, like, step by step, especially his reactions. I think any I get a sequence with Abe Weissman and Susie Meyerson, I'm just like, please, uh, yes, I, I need everything that's happening yeah. right now because they are all of like, a different a different, uh, wavelength, so I think it's
1: great. Yeah, it was, it was magic when they they first they finally met one another, and even like the dinner at uh, Yom Kippur was <laughs> fantastic because of that. Oh my gosh, I can't
0: believe it! Oh, I I was I was so excited about <laughs> just everything about it. So um, yeah, I mean you know I'm definitely gonna That's echo everything you said. Person
1: who I have never met before in my life. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was great. Oh my gosh, I'm outraged that you just told us that tonight. Um, <laughs> Uh, and so it's actually you know pretty funny. Like I really I really love you know Abe's character. You know even kind of branching off, he does give his um, blessing for um, Ben to marry uh, Miriam uh, at the end. And I love the growth that we see from his character now. Like at some points, he's now in the know in cell. All it took was a look from Miriam. That she, like, turns around because she doesn't even say it. She just turns around and, like, kind of looks at him in person and he goes, don't say anything. I'm going to tell your mother first, okay? I'm going to tell her this news and then we'll figure it out later. Like, because she already know that she was not going to marry Ben, right? And she's going to go and do this. She's obviously kind of choosing to pursue her career. Um so I like that character growth. I'm curious to see where he goes next season because if he's not at Columbia, um, you know, even Rose even mentions the fact that you know Columbia owns this apartment. They basically own his intellect. We found that out because he signed his intellect away.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: so what the heck is I, I wonder if season three is going to be like a really crashed back to reality, uh, and you know, Midge is actually going to be the one that's going to be you know providing for the family. So um yeah. I'll be I'll be curious to see what happens there.
1: Yeah, but she uh, she went on a hell of a shopping spree <laughs> before the season ended. <laughs> well that was all on uh Shy Baldwin's dime.
0: So he oh, said, really? yeah okay. he said he was gonna buy I all I thought that. it was
1: all on Abe's.
0: No, he said he was gonna buy all that because he said, like, I got you, you know, feel free to buy all this stuff. So Shy Baldwin uh bought the stuff for Midge, but who bought the new jacket for Susie.
1: Means the a, fur coat? No, no, no,
0: not the fur coat. Uh, yeah, That was, yeah, that was, that was amazing. Oh my gosh. Yeah, the fact that it was like, down the fur coat. that that was amazing. But like, <laughs> Susie has a brand new suit. It actually looks nice. And uh, like, I really like the fact that there's two of the shots were uh, shot, you know, scene by scene, like next to each other, with Midge um, bringing in all the bags into her home. And then the next scene is that you see Susie like hanging up her new suit. And so it's just like, well, who bought that for her? Was it for Shy Baldwin or was it Sophie Lennon? Yeah, because you you never know, right? So I like that. I I think there's a little mystery to that. Um, so I'm curious to see you know where that goes and what we have there. Yeah. So what do you got? So I know um, there's a couple other uh, sort of characters I do want to kind of talk about just a little bit. I'm give a couple of kind of hits and yeah. we mentioned them already. Um, the other two characters I'd like to discuss are Ben and Joel. So I'll start yep. with Joel. What do you think about some Joel's from the first season to the second
1: one? Um, they definitely develop his character a lot more here. Um, I like that we get to know more about Joel, but also the Mazels as well. That if, when you compare him to the Weissmans, uh, the Weissmans seem to have gotten to this position of affluence and um, and not necessarily like super rich, but I mean, it's more academic respect, and that's their wealth, and um, and that uh, that's more that's actually uh, respected more in their community in the, that Jewish community than what Moisha does, which is uh, like hard work, labor intensive, making these dresses uh, for everybody. And even though he may be pretty successful, we hear that, uh, they probably didn't keep their books as, um, organized as they should have. And Joel takes, and it's awesome to see Joel take it upon himself to just bust his ass to write that ship and also, uh, make sure that that company is set for the future by buying out that building and, uh, making sure the right people are in the right position. I like, um, Probably one of my favorite moments with Joel is that um, he this talk with him and Moisha at uh, near the end that uh, when he gives him the sixty thousand dollar check and I love this this resonated with me hugely that um, he talks to him about yeah you've done great work here but you know what this isn't you you need to f- pursue who Joel is mm-hmm. you need to figure that out. And you can stay here and you probably make this more successful than I did, but in the end, when it comes to your life, will you be happy that you did this? And I think that was so, It that a character like Moisha, who's, I mean, comes off as a just unrefined, like, bastard of a man a lot of times, takes his time to, like, just set his son right and say, here's $60,000. This is going to get you started on whatever you pursue. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he's like, yeah, hang around as much as you need to, but get the hell out. And it was, it was awesome to see that happen. Um, but also I think that Joel, there's some moments where I was like, Joel's a bit of an asshole. And I'm glad that Midge is, I was glad that Midge wasn't with him. And I'm curious to see what the ramifications of her choice at the end are that because the point where he comes in to like get the money back from that, uh, that, that club man, that club manager, uh, and he just punches him and it's that that's what actually solves it is that he actually punches that dude in the face and threatens violence on the owner of the club and everything. You're like, is this really Joel? I mm-hmm. wouldn't imagine Joel doing this, even though he is pretty arrogant in his own right and everything. I don't, I don't see Joel as, for me, that felt like very out of character for him to get that pretty violent. But also we start to see other things where, um, when things aren't going his way at, um, uh, at, uh, Maisel and, um, uh, whatever the name of the company is, uh, that he is an asshole is like, Hey, how many cigarettes has it been? Two? All right. You got three. You got one left. I mean, you need to put out that cigarette and get back to work. And Ooh, I don't know if he's been an asshole because that was established that no, Manny, Manny doesn't do anything. Here. Yeah, Manny doesn't do anything. Yeah, and that's, <laughs> that's played for laughs and everything. But there are moments where I'm just like, oh, yeah, like all the women that he has. Like, oh, this is your Thursday. This is your Friday. That he's having his secretary book his dates as well as like his work life. Is kind of weird, um, but also uh, there. There's just some moments that I felt like maybe Joel. This is not Joel, and um, I don't want Joel to be a perfect character, but I like mm-hmm. to see his his flaws and everything. But um, I think that it was good to see more complexity out of him. Uh, but when it comes to the end, and Midge comes through and says like. This is just going to be for this one night, but I want to be with someone who loves me. What does that say to with her and Joel, but also what does that say with her and Ben, mm-hmm. which is interesting.
0: Yeah, that's like in – you know, season one ends with Joel beating up a guy in the street. So he definitely has been known and shown violence. Uh, so I was just surprised
1: that – Okay, I, I totally forgot about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I remember he's like – because the guy was like, you're not funny. You're talking about like the women, the female comic at the end of the club and he's like, oh, really yeah. like fighting the guy and the other two guys had to like pull him off. So we know for sure that Joel has actually known and seen violence and at least kind of confronting people. Like Joel is the first to do it um, even at the Catskills, right? He walked up there and didn't give a shit about what anybody said. It was like, hey, look, we're both here. I want everybody to have a good time. Stop looking at me sort of thing. So so,
1: yeah, get I, up on the mic and- yeah.
0: So I think we've seen that from his character of being like that sort of aggressiveness and how he's shown for there. The other interesting thing about that is we know that Midge like likes that sort of side of Joel, and she actually knew the fact that that's why she ended up calling him in the first place um, because of it. So, you know, that's an interesting thing. Um, I like Joel because he. He like he still is pain. Like it's not to the fact of about forgiveness. You know, at this point, it's about the fact that you know you chose to do that thing, and you have to live with your actions. You had to live what what happened to people. You know, you had to live with what you've done with people, and your actions causes other people's pain and heartache and things like that. Right, and some of these lessons that Joel is learning. Midge is also learning in this series – in this season too because some of her actions are actually affecting a lot of other people. Um, so I like the fact that he's not a perfect character. I'm curious to see what he does with this $60,000, if he is, if he really is going to go into the club business or not. Um, it seems sure. like that's something that he wants to do. I think it'll be a little, a little weird, but we'll see. Um, I just think for this season, there was a little bit too much focus on him. He was in this season way more than I felt like he was in the first season. Um, and it was almost as if we have Midge's story, Abe's story, Joel's story, Susie's story, all going in different directions. <laughs> and so yeah. it's kind of tough to be like, who's the main character in this second series? Like, understand it's called Marvel's Miss Maisel, but, you know, we have moments in which Susie has her own time. bros has her own time, you know, um... Abe has his own time. Joel has a lot of his own time, especially building up this actual uh, business back from nothing. You know, um, so I I like the fact that she has written these complex characters, and everybody has. You know, it's definitely not cut and dry. It's definitely not black and white. I like that the, these characters are complex, and I'm and I'm really interested to see where Joel goes. But I also I can also see that with the flashbacks that they show us, there was problems from the get-go. Like, there was problems, especially from Joel. Um, That aggressiveness just kind of sort of almost imposing his will – to be and just to do kind of sort of whatever he wanted with, with uh, uh, for Midge and like that relationship and how it needs to be kind of perfect and society definitely didn't help that scenario and so the amount that we get getting all the different types of flashbacks and we get the flashback with him and when he proposed right he didn't ask her father and that was an issue that Abe when he mentioned and brought up didn't ask yeah. his father for a hand like for permission for his blessing at all just kind of did whatever the fuck he wanted to do and he does that same thing with his father Company uh, it's called uh, Maisel and Roth, and so yeah.
1: maybe his reading list wasn't up to par.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, his twenty-five character references. Uh, so <laughs> it like it's curious to see that is he the closest to an antagonist in this film in this show? I think he's the closest person we have to an antagonist. Otherwise, I think it's going to be really. Miriam versus Susie you know in the next season I think right and this is going to talk about a bit about theories but it's curious you know because he definitely is kind of trying to come back trying to come back really treat Miss Moskowitz like shit but I think it also kind of played for laughs Um, but really also kind of speaks his mind I think we don't really the only other person that we do see actually do that inside the actual show besides Midge being on stage is Susie and so I'm I'm curious about their relationship because they are almost the same person but different, you know, and they they also have like the very different sort of motivations.
1: Yeah, and it's it'll be interesting to see like is Joel going to go for this club thing because he uh he's trying to find a way to win Mitch back permanently or is it something that he truly honestly is pursuing as something that he thinks is going to be something good for him and it's uh and he talks about like reminiscing about the past about like yeah i used to hang out with this club and when i was a kid and they'd let me like clean the tables and they give me a beer at the end and everything and it was like some way of his uh and his youth to be able to feel like he belongs somewhere which was really cool um but also uh, at the at the end of it, it's like you think Joel is growing and then you're like, oh, wait a minute. Is Joel really, um, did Joel really learn from his mistakes or something? Or is he trying to either win Mitch back or is he trying to get revenge? We don't know. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting how that actually plays out. But especially with this last scene that we see is that Midge agrees to um, be with him one more night before she leaves for this six month, uh, the six month uh, tour in Europe and the U.S. with uh, Shy Baldwin.
0: Yeah, I'd be i curious to see where where it goes. I know that these four are going to be the pillars, usually four um, pillars for this next season, and so we get a good amount of information from Midge. A there's a lot of cliffhangers that we get from these four characters. Um, so I'm, I'm curious about that. Uh, I guess the last character I do want to talk about, cause we talked about a bunch of them for right now and, uh, is going to be Ben. Um, so Ben was introduced in the Catskills that we talked about. He is now the love interest for Miriam and Midge. Um, what do you think about his character for a little bit? And, uh, the fact that I thought his character was... His character didn't fit into the show at all. I felt like his character was, like, from today age, almost. Like, he was from, like, two, the 2000s. Two, 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 two he didn't really fit a big place in the 1950s. Um, but he was also trying to uh, – he was just trying to be different, especially guys. we and he we get introduced to him that he was looking for somebody that's weird. You know? And so he's like, you know, I'm looking for somebody who's yeah, kind of weird. It,
1: yeah. Yeah, it's interesting that um well I would have to say this is the first thing I've seen Zachary Levi in, so I never watched Chuck or anything. Uh that dude is super tall, which is crazy. <laughs> but um that um I I actually enjoyed Ben. I mean, I thought Ben was actually a unique take on like a um like a love interest because he he's tall, he's like broad shouldered, he's good looking and everything. You think you'd be like a like a uh Clark Gable or uh just someone that could just win midge over with his charm and his looks and everything, but we find like he is kind of like um he's kind of like uh lacking lacking an outward personality so he's he is kind of like stone face and just really doesn't react unless it's something that he's really interested in. Mm -hmm. And it's not that he's a bad person or anything. It's just, that's how he works. He's, he's a surgeon. He's a successful surgeon and everything. But everybody says like, he's never been on dates and everything. And that it's kind of awkward and weird and that maybe he's something else. And, um, and when we start to see that relationship grow with him and Midge, I think those are some of the better moments to have uh, Midge shine. That uh, that she just totally opens up, like, "Hey, I am a comedian to him," so she she doesn't really try to hide anything from him, which is really cool. But also, we find that it's actually uh, something that becomes a work in progress. That they don't immediately just fall in love, which I appreciated. That uh, Ben is like, uh, so our parents kind of wanted us to hang out here. Like, their boat ride at the beginning is funny that they so just good. go out <laughs> for like 100 feet into the lake. and do row. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I don't row. I don't know how to row. And like, they're just stuck there. And all of a sudden, they just get the boat turned around and come back. It's like, well, that was good. And so you don't think anything's going to come of them. But um, like, just uh fate leads to something where she needs a ride into New York and they start having uh, conversations and they find like, they kind of have the same sense of humor and, um, they start to open up to one another and, uh, Benjamin starts to like, um, starts to appreciate like who Midge is and loves like, uh, what, what Midge means and everything. And, um, and it's really cool to see, uh, Benjamin start to connect with the rest of her family as well. Just like even talking to Abe, and Abe is—he's Abe is always going to be suspicious of everybody. Mm-hmm. But um, it, but you can see like you know behind that Abe demeanor, he, he kind of likes this guy, and he's like he's not really—he's gonna—he's gonna make him kind of earn everything. But uh, he, he would probably appreciate Midge being with Benjamin, I think. Uh, and Rose just loves him. Death, which is good, um, but it's a and and I and I like that character. I mean, he definitely stands out, and um, he's he's definitely uh, doesn't feel like the other characters we've been introduced. Um, but I would like to see him come back next season, but I don't see him as necessary to come back next season. I think Midge is sort of, uh- and I think. At the end, Mitch kind of just chooses like, you know what, even though Ben's a great guy, like seeing where I can go with this comedy is more important.
0: Mm -hmm. I think her decision at the end was pretty telling that there's no reason for him to be in this next season Um, for everything that she had. And she had a new life. She has an out, right? She has – the ability to choose this kind of happy life that she wants with this new guy who wants to marry her with a new house was rich, you know, and this is some of the things that I still did like about Midge was the fact that she chose her career, even though that she knew that her career meant that she was going to be alone, but that's something that she wants to do. And you don't see that. You also see the fact that women needs to be married off really quickly. And there you go. So, It's tough, but I'm glad that he was introduced to show the progression of Midge's character, but at the same time to say that, you know, you're great, but you're also kind of in the way for what I really want in life.
1: Yeah. Maybe he should go to the punishment room. (laughs) That was a great scene, too. Yeah, I did want to just briefly mention, I like that they gave Rosemore to do this season. Um, starting the season off with a story arc for her, I thought was a bold choice and just showing this part of Rose that we didn't get to see in the first season because, um, she, she was definitely there, but she was kind of like very, very side character that she was just the, uh, the doting mother that was there for her daughter when bad things started to happen. And so she was there to kind of comfort, uh, Midge during the time that uh, Joel cheated on her and um, was kind of very aloof to whatever else was going on in Midge's life. But just seeing Rose open up and like seeing what Rose loves and who Rose is a character was fantastic. Like seeing her uh, just walk around Paris and feel like more of her natural element, whether uh, even if it's just like uh, doing painting and um, and like going to these art critiques and everything. Uh, and then we see her continue to do that uh, back in New York, and uh, her reaction for her first uh, live model session <laughs> as well is fantastic, where she almost has a heart attack of uh, <laughs> seeing a nude man in okay. an art room. Um, but I find, like, it, it's it's interesting that they kind of tuned her back after first couple episodes, uh, that also they kept that more independent personality that started to shine through those first episodes that they established like this journey for her. And then she went back to being that supportive mother and wife role, but she actually had a little bit more attitude to her though, which I really appreciated. Um, And also like, Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, and like even kind (sighs) of, I was really bummed because, you know, you even talked about the meandering, like, I was really hoping that if this show does start talking about Rose more, Rose's character in the first episode only because it only happened in one episode, uh, her character growth was like immense. And I thought that we were going to learn a bit more about that. You know, hey, she's – Midge is not the only one. Right. Mitch is not the only woman who has like these thoughts and chooses to be a, you know, a stand up comic. Um, everything that Rose did there, it was kind of crazy. It was sort of aggressive. But at the same time, it wasn't like she was great. Like every, they, they both thought she was going crazy. She's like, what's there's no life for me. I have no friends in New York. I have nothing I want to do in New York. I sit around. Both of you hide things from me. You know, talking about Midge and Abe, both you hide things from me. None of you feel like you you need to confide in me at all. So what's the point in me being in New York? And you know, she's having this argument and kind of conversation back and forth with Midge while they're in Paris. And then and then Midge goes, "You need to be with your husband. You you need to be with your husband. That's your duty. You know, you you made a vow." And so she then goes, "Oh, look at look who to talk." From a woman, you know, Mitch, who walked away from Joel. Um, so I I really enjoyed what we were getting in that first episode. I really didn't like anything else that we got because it felt like the first episode really di- – I don't know why the first, first episode was there. Um, it felt like nothing that we've gotten – Kind of paid off from episode number one until like you mentioned a couple things of, you know, coffee shop and some information there. Um, but there is nothing that we've got from episode one with character development and things that was happening uh, in the thread points that she was trying to start came back in the rest of the season. And I thought it was a little odd that we we, we got that far. But what? Okay, <clears throat> and then it went uh, back to kind of midge and stuff. So I thought it was kind of weird.
1: Yeah. What was, what was the point to establish all that? If you're going to put Rose back to where she was
0: not saying anything, uh, like the character as if she, she literally knows even less. She had no idea anybody, like it felt like she was the same character from episode one. And it felt like, you know, the creators of the show was trying to say something about Rose, but they kind of threw it away, even to the point where she went back to this new therap- uh, this new uh, mind reader or um, you no know, psychic, right? And she went back to this new psychic that that was another sort of shtick that came in from season one. And so I was just like, eating the pizza. <laughs> yeah, w- which was hilarious. I mean, the 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 joke itself, the bit itself, is absolutely hilarious. So I really enjoyed the yeah. scene. But as a character, what you're trying to say about the Rose character, I was like. Wow, she's even more shallow, and she just does, she doesn't get it. She's trying to push Miriam into another relationship so fast to be married so quickly, and so that marriage is going to solve all their problems. And we all know that it doesn't. So I, I was really bummed up this Rose character, especially the the opening in season episode one, um, because nothing of that sort kind of mattered to her character at all for the rest of the actual episodes
1: yeah yeah, it was it's, it was an interesting take and I wonder if they're going to uh, continue to uh, bring Rose into interesting situations or is she going to like kind of stick with this cultural status quo at this time of that uh, in order for a woman to be successful, she has to have a husband hmm. um, The other character I just wanted to quickly mention that I thought was probably one of my favorite episodes. Uh, this season was uh, there's an episode where we see Midge and Benjamin kind of like establishing the relationship and we find like Benjamin a lot of stuff doesn't really impress Benjamin but you take him to an art show and he's a kid in a candy store Uh, and he like knows all these artists and he's always looking for up and coming artists and wants to buy the pieces and put them in his hallway and in his big house and everything Uh, and we find Midge buys this like quaint little painting in a back room somewhere from an artist that just even doesn't give her the time of day. She just says 25 bucks and then she takes it and that's it. Um, and I mean, that, that's a unique painting because I kind of thought she bought it because it, I think it kind of reminded her of Rose. I thought she was going to give it to Rose
0: because mm-hmm. it kind
1: of looked like Rose, but it never yeah. leads to anything. Um, but they do meet an artist named Declan Howell, which who's supposed to be the greatest artist that, never was successful because he finds an excuse to uh destroy his work or say it's not for sale at the last second which is
0: such a great character
1: yeah and i thought it was a really cool episode to just build upon the creative process and just to show um just the juxtaposition regardless of what you pursue as a creative endeavor, whether it's painting or whether it's uh, being a com- comedian or whether it's being a doctor that um, that the journey is a very personal journey and it actually kind of was probably our first allusion to this is a lonely existence if you want to be great. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to see that conversation that Declan has with Midge because he's just trying to get in her pants at first that the way Midge is able to win him over and talk about like the simple painting that she bought and why she got it, um, that the way she describes it, it it tells him like, okay, she understands the creative process. She understands art. I'm going to show her the greatest painting ever made. And we don't even get to see it. We're not even privileged to that. I love it, and, and I love how they set it up that he has this whole other room that's probably bigger than his own apartment hidden behind this bookcase. And he unveils this giant painting that we only see the back of it. And it blows her mind and everything. And we know that Benjamin knows the tale of this great painting that no one's ever seen before. And you know that... Benjamin would be the character you'd want to see this painting no matter what because he's such a huge fan. But ultimately, it's not for him. But any other painting in his apartment? Yeah. Go ahead, write a check to th- what you see as the value and take it with you. And it's it's interesting to see that those two characters come to... like. He does it not for Benjamin because he's a fan. He does it because Mitch showed him that she is an artist
0: mm-hmm. and
1: that um, that he does it for Midge and he's like, yeah, he can have any painting. You can leave the check for whatever amount you want. And he, that's like the very first time he's ever like sold a painting to someone. I thought it was a fantastic little story that they had in there.
0: I, I really like that scene. And it like, the scene before it, also when they were at the, you know, the art gallery, I, I felt like that was when we start learning that, although Ben's a great guy, like we also see the fact that he's doing this for the status, for the gloating, for the bragging, right? He says that he's a fan of this person, for the fact that he's a fan, but we never see exactly him explain why he likes art, like he doesn't break no. it down, like the. The exact exactly when he when Midge you know described that actual painting, which I thought was also great, you know, and you know looking up for the little person to stand out. Like I think that sequence and that moment really kind of invokes, like, evokes what um, the show sort of means to me, especially the or you know what it should mean to just women in general. Like that's you know how the power is shifted and it's not a man's world, or you know it's definitely shifting out to be just the man's world. Um, I really like that it. it's a very simplistic scene that they can just have sort of a conversation, and um, the fact that Ben's like, you know, I'm not going to let you go over there for yourself, and she was like explaining to him, like, don't listen, this happens all the time, like, slow your role, like I, I can handle myself, I'm, I'm grown, right? Um, that was also something that was also like very interesting and very touching, and uh, it was almost as if it's that same sort of uh, relationship or that same sort of uh, couple of characters that we see with Lenny Bruce and Midge, right? We have these two artists that were, that are talking that are on an entirely different plane that us as the audience can't quite wrap our heads around entirely, but we can see it and we get it. And them looking at that photo and that moment is them seeing it. And then we're, we're, we're getting that like, Oh shit. Like that's something that we don't know about. And that's something that Ben will never know about. Um, and so, even to the like near the end, I thought for sure sh- it, it definitely felt like Midge and Lenny Bruce will end be end up being together, which I thought was kind of weird. I was getting some weird yeah. uh, kind of senses of like, hmm, okay, that's pretty cool. But you know, I never, I didn't even think about that until just now. Um, so you know, I, I, I was curious about that, but I do like that the poetry in that sequence, um, yeah. and the fact that you know. Again, we, we mentioned Shy Baldwin's character. Like I'm very interested to see more of his character and how she can learn from there. Um, and, you know, if, you know, I have to contradict myself. I just said before, I'm also interested of like learning about new cultures, right? If that was a sense of the episode one was to talk about how Midge is going to go international. And at the end of the episode, uh, at the end of the season, she's going on an international tour, you know, Um the fact that her jokes that she talks overseas doesn't quite hit well because, you know, infidelity mm-hmm. is normal. It's like, oh, OK, I guess yeah. you guys call that Thursday, That's you like, know. Who here
1: is buried? Who here has a girlfriend? Everybody's <laughs> like, oh,
0: OK. Uh, and the fact that she also kind of met, you know, we didn't even talk about it, but she met, you know, cross um, crossdressers for the first time. Like uh, the uh, you know men who like were just doing that and that was completely yeah. like an accepted thing. So I'm curious to see. Um, if that is going to continue to happen in this next season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, The one last thing I want to mention is there was one thing in this uh, season that just utterly annoyed me. It was this character that was playing the same game in the Catskills that Susie was, and whenever he saw her, he would just do this crisscross thing that, funny the first couple times, but man, they they did it too many times and it never paid off for anything. It was just more of a side gag than anything, but it was, it just became obnoxious. And I was like, why are y'all doing this? Yeah. I, I thought
0: that was also going to come back. Um, that's another reason why I didn't like the Catskills. <laughs> like, <laughs> there, like it was just, like, a lot of stuff, a lot of filler, it felt like, especially with all the other comic book stuff that I tend to watch. I felt like it was a lot of filler, that they didn't know what, what else the story to talk about until he got to a certain point, and they just wanted to put something in there that was kind of random. Um, but that crisscross guy, d- unless he comes back later, um, which, even if he does come back later, I don't think... It was anything that we needed to see. Uh, but, yeah. you know, clearly he does. He also doesn't work there, but he figured it out on how to eat for f- eat for free and kind of stay there for free. So I guess good for him, but a bit of a waste of time. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, everybody. We are the Down in Front podcast. Last call tonight, we have discussed in depth Marvel Miss Maisel season two that is currently streaming on Amazon Prime right now. Bryland, where can people find more of your work? Uh, you
1: can find me uh, on Twitter at Bryland B R I L U N D, and you can also find me on Instagram posting mini movie reviews at I am
0: And definitely check out more of our work at DownInFrontPodcast.com. You'll be able to see our video teasers, our music. We have our Twitter, underscore DAFP. We also have Patreon. So if you like what we do, you choose want to become a Patreon, definitely let us know. Anything and everything definitely helps to offset the cost of watch movies, hosting fees, and things like that. Um, Patreon.com slash DownInFrontPodcast. Thanks so much, everybody, for hanging out. We really hope that you enjoyed the show. If you haven't seen Marvelous Miss Maisel just yet and you listen to all of this, I appreciate it. But definitely go check out the show. I mean, I think the you know if I give you lasting thoughts, I think the writing and the acting itself is probably bar none, like some of the best that's on TV at this point. Um, and they also doesn't cheap things uh, for like laughs and jokes. I think there's a lot of good stuff that's kind of backing it up. Brylan, lasting thoughts?
1: Uh, yeah, uh, I am looking forward to season three, and uh, I can't wait for Midge to come back from her tour. Married to Shy Bob. Oh my gosh! That, don't you
0: don't <laughs> you don't you end with that that don't you end this episode with that cliffhanger? Like what?
1: <laughs> no, um, I can't wait. I I love this show. It's probably one of my favorite shows on TV right now, and I want to continue to see uh, shows come out that not necessarily are in a particular genre, but just telling great stories and building great characters that have a lot of depth and detail to them. Well, I'm definitely offer that.
0: Thanks everybody. We appreciate it. Goodbye. You know, I'm surprised at the fact that we didn't talk about yeah. how Midge is not a good.